and then we'll be done. Try to make this one again about 25 or 30 minutes, and then we can be done, and you can have your you can do the discussion questions. Uh, you can stay here and do them, or you can go to lunch and do them, whatever 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 your schedule uh, requires. So here, um, I want to just give us uh, some thoughts. Uh, your marriage foundations being the purposes, you're clear, you know, just working through what, why did God create our marriage and then the reality of those roles and responsibilities. Uh, and then I, I, know, I know you have as, as your baseline hope that uh, is, in, is in Christ and the gospel. But I think there's some, some good things we ought to pull out as they help, help in marriage, as it's a gospel-centered, uh, Christ-centered home. The first is uh, the, the most basic response to the good news of Christ is repentance and faith, repenting and believing. And you know, Jesus said, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. And the reason I put this one first is uh, I, ho- I hope you believe, and if you have it, that you'll start believing that the best thing you can offer to your spouse is the gift of Repentance and the gift of forgiveness. Uh, uh, you know, uh, a works-oriented view of life is very oppressive. It's very condemning. It's, it's exhausting. So if you have a home that is filled with just works and measuring lines, and uh, there's probably a lot of fatigue and fear, that kind of thing. But... Self-righteousness is also just as heinous, that you, you think more highly of yourself than you should. You, uh, whenever you're challenged, you give, like, a, like I intended to do, you give your litany list of all the good stuff you've done, uh, why you shouldn't be challenged. The, the, I think what I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say is, is, if you are the chief repenter in your home, it will set the trajectory of your home, uh, your marriage, in powerful ways. There is just something supernatural about the power of repentance and uh, being quick to repent, uh, not being found out and then repenting. That's 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 not you know what we're talking about. Oh, you discovered I was a sinner. I'm sorry. It's it's having that constant soul examining and finding ways that I should I should repent. I should I should confess my sins to my wife to my husband and and then and then. Believing the gospel, uh, because I know what happens a lot. I, I always, I, I like to sometimes um, tell people, are these which marker should I use? These. Um, I'm gonna for this one. I'm gonna put a couple of diagrams up here. But um, you know the, well, you can give yourself diagnostic questions on where you fall out with repentance and faith. Is you know the cross of Christ is the place where you go and you see the magnitude of your sin and the, the, what, what, this, what your sin cost the Son of God. But you know he's not on the cross anymore, right? He's resurrected. So you actually now have an unlimited power over your sin. Uh, but you can test yourself with this. If you have a hard time 
coming, repenting, and then recovering. If you're self-loathing, uh, you, you, you kind of stay in the self-contempt. Uh, you, you don't believe in the resurrection. You, you really don't. You, you love songs about blood and cross <laughs> uh, too much. And you need to get you some songs on your iPad about, or your, about the resurrection, about the glory of renewal. Because it's that. But on the same side, if you have a hard time admitting you're wrong, you probably need to spend some time at the cross <laughs> uh, and see you're not as great as you think you are. And uh, your sin is really, really heinous. And it is damaging you and your family. So go spend some And you can give yourself a diagnostic with the cross and the resurrection. Where do I send, tend to camp out? Uh, and the, the continuum that I like to talk about is, well, that, that one doesn't work, is, is, you know, if, well, that one doesn't work either. Well, Billy, that'll be good enough. You know, out here, if, 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 if the goal is security, that, that, I, that I, I walk in security with the Lord and with you. I walk in confidence, not, 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 not bravado, not arrogance, but just stability, security. The drift over here is, is um, self-reliance. And the drift over here is self-contempt. And the person here gives a lot of attention to their weaknesses. The person here gives a lot of attention to their strengths. Right? But the scriptures, you know, if Christ is, this, is, is the ultimate security, the Bible teaches us to glory in our weaknesses, not to beat ourselves up by them. Uh, quit paying for your own sins. <laughs> Now, this can be something as heinous as suicide and cutting and that kind of thing, where I hate myself so much, I, I subject my body to quit that. Jesus paid for those. But over here, uh, you are not reliant on yourself. Your righteousness is, a, is filthy to him. The security comes when I am content in my weaknesses. When I am, uh, the grace of God is sufficient for me. I, I f- I'm free to admit my weaknesses. Yeah, but I also know I'm created in the image of God. I have strengths. I have, I have things to offer my family, my world. Security lies when we let Christ deal there. Does that make sense? And I think repentance and faith get us here. Okay? Um, one, of the, one of the prayers I pray most and just about every day and have been praying for 20 plus years is Lord correct me where I'm wrong but confirm me where I'm right okay what what I'm getting at there theologically (laughs) is I know full well I am loaded with sin and wickedness and weakness so Lord correct me where I'm wrong but I'm also filled with the Holy Spirit I also have your grace in my life. I also have your promises on my heart. Therefore, confirm where I'm right. I do some things right, too. Uh, but I don't want to live over here too long, because then I drift to self-reliance. And I don't want to live here too long, because <laughs> I'll drift to self-contempt. Christ, help me live here. I think that's what faith really is, is I live there. 
So the first part of how the gospel can give strength to your marriage is through repentance and faith. All right, second is Christ and the church. Uh, we've already seen how um, this relationship uh, is there. But, you know, uh, but it's interesting what Paul says at the end of that Ephesians 5 passage. This mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. I've already, you know, the mystery is not marriage that he's talking about. He's using marriage as an illustration to say the mystery is actually how that relationship that y'all have at home actually is the mystery of Christ in the church. Like, this is kind of weird, honestly. Like, uh, my home with Danielle is actually supposed to unlock the mystery of Christ in the church. That how Christ... Uh, is the savior of the body and how the body submits to Christ ought to be most graphically shown, not through evangelistic tools, not through preaching sermons, but through Christian marriages. That you guys, we are living in such a way to each other that there is this relationship clearly being illustrated of how Christ relates to the church and how the church relates to Christ. Now, Application to this. This is why. This is why I think marriages thrive um, when they are when they are um, housed under a healthy church. Uh, when when you are doing your life and your marriage and your family in submission to your local church, uh, because of this modeling, you need help. To husbands need help to be the head. So you, we all ought to buy into this together as husbands. How are we going to model to our families, to the world, how Christ does to the church? Wives, you are wanting to be biblically sound in how you submit to your husbands. How does the church do that? And so the way we work this out in our context, and just, this is just, I'll just offer this, that your marriage ought to be... Uh, open, if you will, to uh, the church and uh, her leadership and her insights. And the way we, we, we have in our, in our congregation, and, and, and you, you can just take this for what it's worth in your, in your world, because I'm sure Billy and, and Chad and, and Ben and, and all those guys have different things, but we, what we, we have what we call our bucket system. And, and this can apply to individuals too, but for our sake in marriage, and, and, we, and what we say is, Christ, Christ is the head of the church. And he gave to the church, you know, the elders and pastors um, to, to, to shepherd and lead. But then the church is a body. And so one of our things, and I'll come back to this here in a second, is there's not one person in the church that is the full package. Not one pastor, not one elder. Uh, it requires a body to lead. Uh, we're all uh, an arm, uh, we're an arm, a leg, a foot, an eye, uh, an ear, uh, uh, a knee, whatever. But when you, let's just take a marriage. Sometimes in marriage there is the need for counseling. You get to a place sometimes where uh, let me just put all these up so I can explain them. This is pastor. This is actually elder. This is body. And this is diaconate or deacon. And so what we say to a couple who is, if they're in crisis or if they just want some help, 
that we have, we have, a, we have a, a, a body life system that we're going to put you in. And, and we're asking you as couples to submit to this process. You might need some counseling, right? You might be at a place in your marriage where we're stuck. Like I gave you an example earlier. We're, she, my wife and I, we could have gone to our pastor and said, hey, but we knew this, this lady was specialized in something. She knew us in a unique way. We got some unique help. Okay, you may have some unique struggles that you need counseling from a professional uh, type way. Then you've got your pastors. Uh, you should for sure have some sort of, and you, I love y'all's system of church, really engenders where you've got pastors involved in your life uh, in, the, in the way you're doing it. You've got elders uh, involved. I think y'all use the word elders? Yeah. You've got elders involved where it's not up to Billy and, and Chad and, and Ben, the sole recipients. You've got elders that complement here. And then you've got y'all, the body. Every, every marriage needs to be subject to the, the full body. So home groups and cookouts and vacations and just things that the body life does together. And then there comes, and the way we talk about this one is more of on a mercy needs. Within our congregation, sometimes things get so bad in the marriage or we just have some diaconal mercy needs. Where I need help with finances. I need help with child care. I need help and our deacons come. And so what I'm, what, I, what I'm showing you here is this principle, the gospel in marriage, is that as a couple, as a family, we are subjected to the body of Christ to help us build a marriage. I'm not going to do this by myself. And when I get to a crisis point or I have a problem, it's, it's not overly healthy that me and Danielle just figure it out on our own. We're going to welcome in the, the body of Christ. So I'm not, I'm not necessarily advocating this system. I'm just saying your marriage is going to thrive as it's thriving in the context of your church. I think the gospel commands that and demands that. that, that Christ, in his wisdom, left behind his body as if he were here. So if Christ were going to shepherd your marriage, this is how he'd do it. He'd have a whole bunch of people that have a whole bunch of gifts and a whole bunch of things to offer that can help you. This ought to be very encouraging to you that you can raise a kid, you can have a marriage, you can even struggle in your marriage because you're not alone. People are going to walk through this with you. It's okay to struggle. Where you get dangerous is if you, we're struggling, let's hide, let's don't go around, we don't want to be embarrassed. This is the third time we've had to talk about this, right? Don't do that. Because the moment you do that, you lose the power that's available to you in the body of Christ. Okay. Which naturally leads to the third one there, is love and submission. Um, I, the, the older I get in my faith and in my ministry, the more I love and in this word submission. Uh, it, is, it is a precious idea. It is a precious word that... that, that and it's because, you know, when you think about what Christ did, he was in full submission to the Father's will. This is not a bad thing. He was, he was the creator of the universe. <laughs> and he subjected himself to an infant's body, and then a toddler's body, and then the death on a cross. Like, this, the Bible teaches us. This is what our Savior did. So submission is not a bad thing. It actually has uh, real universal, cosmic, supernatural power. So you do well if you choose submission in your home, if you choose to submit yourself to one another. When you don't do that, when you become hard-hearted, when you become arrogant or self-reliant, you won't submit, you won't bow to ideas of others, you won't let your way not 
always be done. You, know, you actually cross into a line that's very scary that our, uh, that our Savior never crossed. Even on his way to the cross, he was silent. Okay, so love and submission go hand in hand. You know, and, and, and Jesus said, this, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. He's the first model. We love because he first loved us. And then that Ephesians 5, 21 that comes before all the, sub, the, the submission passages, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Um, I think that's enough said there. Number four, the gospel in marriage requires a tender heart. Um, Ephesians 4.32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Uh, at the risk of being crass, or uh, the word picture that comes to mind every time I read this and think about what, is, what does it mean to be tender-hearted? This is what comes to my mind. When I was 1999, I was in Tokyo, Japan, and we were doing some mission work there. And a friend of ours said, I got to tell you, he said, have you all ever had a Kobe steak? And I said, I don't even know what that is. So I don't know if you know what Kobe steak is. It's the best cut of meat you can have. And in, in Japan, what they do with these cows is they, they, they put them in these, uh, the Ritz-Carlton of farms, and they massage their bodies, and they feed them these certain grains. And so when you get their meat, it, it's hard to overstate how good this steak is. It really, like, I can't embellish and use hyperbole enough to say it's the best piece of meat I've ever had. You, it, you put it in your mouth, and it just sort of dissolved in your mouth. It was so tender. So I had that. And then I came back home from Japan and we went to Ryan's Steakhouse. <laughs> the equivalent of Golden Corral. And we ate their steak. And it was like beef jerky. And I thought, this is, this is, this is the idea of tenderheartedness. You know, I should have s- such a heart that when I'm around you, it just kind of melts. I, sh- I shouldn't be hard to chew <laughs> as a person. Uh, it, <laughs> does that make sense? So if in my home, you're just hard to chew. That's not tenderhearted. Tenderhearted is marinated, uh, seasoned, cooked well beef that just, it just melts in your mouth. You're just easy to be around. Uh, that, that's the idea, I think, that Paul's getting at, that you're tenderhearted. This would change your home, too, wouldn't it, if everybody was tenderhearted in the house? Uh, not, not hard to chew. <laughs> uh, so, that, but the, the, the gospel is the only thing that can do that sort of marinating, uh, softening, right? Is, is it, the gospel of Jesus Christ makes my heart tender. All right, then lastly, transformation and expansion. Uh, these are my favorite words, and I know that they're just kind of like, well, that's kind of out of place. Uh, if, you, if you need a, a more biblical way to say this, I think the Bible's way is that when, he, when God came to Abraham, as you can see there, he's... And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. That's interesting, isn't it? He preached, God preached the good news to Abraham before Jesus ever died on the cross and uh, was resurrected. In you shall the nations be blessed. So those who are of faith are blessed along with the Abraham, the man of faith. What he was, the good news is that Abraham, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to rescue the nations through you. All peoples are going to be blessed through you. You are going to, I'm going to bless you so that you can go be a blessing. 
so the transformation part of our life is I'm being blessed by God. He's, he's blessing me and transforming me. The be a blessing part is the expansion part. That God intends what happens in my home to not just be a blessing to me. It is to be a blessing to others, to the nations. And this goes back to that missional component of marriage. Uh, the, it also gets to the unfocus on the family. That yes, you, we spent a whole three hours, two and a half hours, helping you focus on your marriage. And now I'm going to end by saying stop focusing on your marriage <laughs> and uh, hate your wife and your husband as it compares to your love for Jesus and his kingdom. Okay, you understand that's what Jesus, Jesus was not advocating hate. He was using hyperbole to say, as you, you, what it looks like, your superior love for me and my kingdom ought to look like hate to your wife. That she doesn't satisfy you completely. She didn't die on the cross for you. <laughs> he didn't restore you to the, your father's bosom. Uh, Christ did. And so there's a, that component. But it also gets to, in, in, in this, you, if, if, if transformation and expansion were two walls, right? This is transformation and this is X. What, what happens, and this is group feedback. What happens if I lean too much on the wall of transformation? Uh, what, is that, what happens to a, a person or a group that tends to emphasize transformation all the time and stays over on that side? Legalism, condemnation, navel-gazing, holy huddles. Uh, we're just kind of our little, we're just always transforming. All right? What happens if you overemphasize expansion, mission? Go get them. What happens if you overemphasize that? Huh? Okay, all right. Yeah, shallow. Just doers, get after it. We're not, you know, there's nothing real, nothing of substance to us. We're just trying to, all right. And you can see the dangers, and you can probably see, even yourself, you tend to one, I tend way over here to expansion. I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a mission guy. I got to remember, whoa, I also need to develop and grow and be patient. Uh, I, got, I got friends, man, they just love to read books and listen to theology and, and you know, put their headphones in and contemplate God. Hey, man, why don't you get going? You know, why don't you? You know, there's some people going to hell. Uh, uh, there's some needs in the world. You know, go, con- go conquer some injustice here, right? Um, you, I think this is a good, this is a good matrix for your, uh, metric for your family. Where, where, do we, where do we fall out here? And at times, we need to spend some time on the transformation component. We really need to kind of lock the door and grow. But there's going to come a time you've got to get out of the house. and go, do, go, go be a part of the kingdom's movement in the world. Uh, or, man, we're just going, going, going. We're all about the mission. And you might want to slow down, take some time and, and develop and grow and that kind of thing. Uh, I think, I think that's, that's a good metric in your family. The gospel moves us in both of those. The gospel informs my transformation. Uh, it sanctifies me. And the gospel is uh, moving forward and violent men take hold of it. <laughs> right? The kingdom of God is advancing. Uh, the gospel is, a, is an organism that's alive and people are being changed. And it's, there's a movement here. There's a, the church is growing. Uh, I want to be a part of that. So transformation um, and expansion. Okay.
All right, let's, let's, let me give you the questions, and then, and then uh, I'll let Billy decide if y'all want to stay here and do the questions or just let you do this on your own time, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be done. First one, this is an important one. Is there anything you need to repent to your spouse about today? This could be something that just happened this morning that, man, y'all just kind of swept under the rug. You need to repent. This could be something you've been hiding for 10 years. And I want it in a group this size, I'm not going to doubt that there's something that you have not said that you need to repent of. There's what better day than today to get that out there, okay? Number two, in what ways does your spouse reflect the relationship between, uh, your marriage reflect the relationship between Christ and the church? And what I have here is, uh, and then also what ways is it not, is how do, how do we reflect this sacrifice submission together? We already kind of got to this a little bit in the, in the reality, but talk about it again. Are we, are, we, are we doing this in the way that models Christ in the church? And if not, how do we need to change that? Number three, how has your spouse been tenderhearted toward you? Again, affirm one another here. You know, last weekend when you did this, I felt like you were very tender there. Last year when this happened, you were tender. And then obviously, is there situations where they could be more tender? Uh, that kind of thing. When you come home from a hard day at work, you seem, you're hard to chew. <laughs> uh, when you, when you, whatever, you get it. And then for what is your marriage's mission? How are you blessing others? And I was just say here, one thing Danielle and I did early in our marriage, we actually wrote a family mission statement. Uh, we actually, and our family mission statement is this, declaring the goodness and greatness of God to the next generation through, lasting, uh, through loving service and lasting work. And so we used to talk about that with our kids. Okay, and uh, we'd go over it, and you know, I, when they were little, I'd have them draw pictures. And then one one day, when my uh, Laura, who's my eleventh grader now, when she was I don't know sixth or seventh grade, they had to uh, draw a family crest. Just they had to make up a family shield, and uh, she had had our family mission, so she put picture to our our family mission. And if you come into my home, and I, you're all invited anytime. Uh, my wife actually painted this shield, uh, and it sits above our, uh, right as you walk out of our house in our foyer, is a big shield, that, uh, and it has two trumpets declaring, it has a lion and a lamb, the greatness and goodness of God, uh, and it has three arrows to the next generation uh, going through it, and then at the bottom is a bunch of flames with a dove flying out, spirit-filled passion. Uh, it's awesome. She just captured it perfectly so when she did it on her little you know for a little assignment i said Dan, my wife's a great painter I said i want that on the shield you know my wife's like oh my gosh really <laughs> so we're walking through pottery barn outlet in georgia and right behind the thing was this huge shield it was just looked antique it looked old i was like babe and she knew it she said i saw it an hour ago and i tried to keep you away from it <laughs> so we brought it home we painted it it's awesome but the idea was to, to have something pictorial that my, my, our marriage, our family could remember, this is, this is who we are. This is, this is what a Witherington is about. Uh, and yours is going to be different, you know, uh, based on your, your family uh, dynamics, your call and, and employment, all that kind of stuff. But this is a good conversation to have. What is our family putting our hands to? What are we, what are we, what are we on mission to, to, to do? Okay. okay. All right, maybe uh, comments, questions, or uh, things you want to say, and then we'll be done. If not, we'll just, we'll just be done.
Oh, man. Thank you all. This is amazing that this group is out on Saturday morning to tune up their marriages. It's great. Okay. Well, let me, uh, I'll just close this with prayer. And then, Billy, what do you want them to do? You want to just give them the option of staying or going or? Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Why don't you just close this in prayer if you tweak everything I said? So, just on this bucket list to, to, to make sure everybody knows how we're coming. This is exactly what we do. We have just sort of an order to it, just just so everybody knows where you can find help. So, uh, first of all, everybody should be in the discipleship relationship. So I like what you said about a family mission statement and all that. John and I have been married almost 27 years, and we have a daughter that's married and out of the house, and uh, two in college and one still in high school. And I'm going, man, we didn't do that. Like, how do you do that now? Is it too late? I mean, we can't even get all of us at the dinner table anymore because everybody's running different directions. No, no, it's not too late. Uh, and and and, And as a matter of fact, uh, because Danielle and I are in a new phase ourselves, we've got one in college, and uh, we we brought in a girl uh, into our home uh, as a fifth child several years ago, and she got married uh, in December, and uh, so we've counted her as part. Of so we got a son-in-law, so to speak, now, uh, and she's at UK. Uh, Sarah's at EKU. Laura's at Tate's Creek. Caroline's at Trinity, and Andrew's at Southern. So we have five kids at five different schools. Uh, you know, it's like, what are we crazy? But we did that because of, we we were kind of open-handed with what we needed to do with our kids and what they said. And so now we find ourselves every year saying, okay, Lord, how are we going to accomplish what you've given us life phase? And and in fact, my prayer that I've given my team of pastors is what I'm asking God for this year is clarity on what the next five, 10, 15 years is going to look like because Andrew's 12, and, and theoretically in six years, we're going to be empty nesters. Uh, and the way we have our finances structured, and everything, we're going to, there's going to be some real liberating things coming in six years. I keep telling Andrew, you're out in six years, pal. <laughs> you know, and none of you are coming back. I know we got a big enough house where all you could, but you get, you know. Uh, but we're kind of saying, okay, Lord, what is our next phase? And I think, I think that's really awesome that you've got that kind of situation where you've got, now you may think, okay, now how do we steward uh, my daughter's family and, and their thing. And how do I steward this? And I, I love the word stewardship. I think God gives us things, gives us talents, gives us uh, relationships that now we steward. And I want to steward those well. I want to, I want to make money on his money <laughs> uh, type thing. Does that help? Yeah. I'd, 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 I'd sit down and say, like I'm, I'm a very ordered, wordy, like, you know, like, packages type thing. Don't, don't feel hemmed in by having to get a pithy statement, you know, uh, or, a, or, or a shield. <laughs> um, but you could, y'all could sit down and say, you know, these are, these are three things over the next 10 years we really want to be a part of. And that, I very much think that needs to be in conjunction with your church. Uh, it could be Mexico. Hey, you know, we all speak Spanish. And because of this thing in Mexico, we want to really be a part of what uh, we, we, you know, we, we're at a phase where we'd like to be on the launch team of the next church plant. 
I want to order my life so I can do that. I want to sell my house. I'm going to, you know, I, I think that's awesome to think about. I mean, we're trying to get that place where we're. Great question. Okay. That it? All right. Uh, can I pray for y'all? And then we'll be done. Lord, thank you for blessing me this morning with being with these friends. And um, Lord, I'm so encouraged about what you're doing in the bluegrass um, as I look out over our, our friends here and knowing what you're doing at our church and what you're doing in so many other places, Lord, as Billy and I have prayed together for a lot uh, with our friends, that you would raise up uh, a mighty army of men and women, churches on, on campuses at Asbury UK Center, EKU, Georgetown, all over, and then in our cities, uh, in the school systems, uh, in, the, in the financial institutions, in, in the government. Uh, Lord, we, we're asking you for some big things, and we're seeing it happen. We're seeing you raise up men and women who love you, who bring your word to bear. And, Lord, now we're asking that you would do that even more. We're, we dare ask for more, that you would do it in these families. Lord, if there are marriages here that are, are, are struggling, Lord, would, would you use this tune-up today to reinvigorate love and submission to one another and, and grace and forgiveness and power? Lord, for those marriages that are strong and have been strong for years, would you give them clarity about how they might invest into the next generation, how they might be used uh, in the city and in the world uh, to bring a great name uh, to, to your great name. Lord, bless this congregation, these, these multiple congregations that are together. Give them grace, um, we pray. Lord, I just pray for my marriage. Pray that you would help Danielle and I to, uh, to do everything we talked about today that we would pass these things on to Brady and Olivia tonight as we're grilling out steaks with them, that they would, uh, as they're four months into marriage, that they would, uh, they would celebrate what you're doing in their life. And then uh, with our children, that they would see models of repentance and joy and sacrifice and, uh, and, and all that. So, Lord, help, help my family as well. Lord, we bless you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.